Hi, this is Christy Janelle Conversations, and you are tuning in to my podcast. And today's topic is healthy relationships starts with you and overcoming the three C's. This is Test Pilot episode number 18. So thank you for joining me. I am recording this podcast at the same time as doing a Facebook Live. So if you want to see the live recording of this conversation, then you can go to uh, Facebook um, at Christy Janelle. Even though I'm broadcasting from my main page, I am going to share this on my Christy Janelle page. So just catch it there okay um and then for the people that are on facebook live um if you want to hear this in audio only version then just go to my podcast or you just want to go over there and look around and see you know uh, my other episodes please go over and subscribe I would appreciate your support. I really would. Um, put a smile on your girl's face and support. Um, thank you so much. But anyway, um, I need to double check to see how this is coming up on. Okay, I can see how this is uh, coming up. I need to double check okay so I can see that as long as I can see what's going on um, I have up a um, poster it says we need the Denzels and Paulettas to come forward and mentor this generation in self-awareness and relationships in the black community the time is now no, so let me just give a disclaimer that um, you don't have to be a Denzel or, or Pauletta to actually have this conversation because um, I'm getting ready to have this conversation and I'm not married anymore. But um, I was married long enough to have some pretty good experiences, significant experiences after 17 years. And even going through a divorce process, even though I think some people like to think of it as, oh, everything just shuts off once you sign those divorce papers, is so far from the truth. Because um, I feel that a divorce is just an extension of um, a relationship. It's, it's just changes from being married to not being married. Like some people decide to move on and, you know, become friends or they take a break for a while and then they um, eventually reconcile in a platonic way um, or non-sexual way or in a non-romantic way, but they're able to move some type of relationship forward like co-parenting or just, you know, as co-workers or you know, just mutual friends. They just decided that they weren't going to be good for each other in a relationship. And then other people 
decide that the best thing to do is to never have contact um, with each other again. So um, having said that, um, when you've been married for a long term, um, that person is still a part of your history. That chapter is still in your life story book. And it's really no way to erase that um, because you, you have grown even as a person throughout that relationship, whether it was successful or not in its own right. And just because a person is divorced does not mean that their relationship was a total failure. I get so tired of people putting that stereotype on divorced people. It just didn't work out. It came to an end. That season ended. So having said all that, I put this on this uh, poster because I do feel that um, we do need um, some of those people who are experienced in marital relationships to step forward. Some of the older people like in the baby boomer generation, even in Gen X. Um, my generation, um, and even some that are even older than the baby boomers, like it's in the silent generation, like my grandparents who were married for 69 years, we have elders in our community who are much older and they have so much more experience because this is what I do know that, um, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-great-grandparents, your great-great-great-uncle, your great-great-great-niece, uh, your great-great-great-great-great-great-cousins, whomever, from the uh, sixteen nineteen all the way up until now. <laughs> Even the ones that came on the boat over here have all experienced the same type of relationship issues that we do today, just in a different way. Was infidelity present in our society 300 years ago? Yes. Was uh, financial issues present in our society three and 400 years ago? Yes. Did people have conflict in a relationship Three and four hundred years ago, did our ancestors have to overcome conflict? Yes. And um, in the in the African-American community, our ancestors had to deal with a whole nother level of financial distress and bondage that we've never experienced. We think, you know, we're going through hardships now. Just think about them who had no control over who they chose to be with and if they did get a chance to pick a spouse or someone to be with they were soon often separated okay sometimes never to see the person that they really wanted to be with again our ancestors were forced to have sex with each other even if they were related and blood relatives just to produce other slaves for this society, okay? Our women were raped and brutally raped, gang raped, whatever you want to call it, forced to have sex with their brothers and cousins to produce more slaves, okay? 
So uh, our ancestors have overcome so many traumatic things that are still lingering in the African-American community today. So uh, I said all that to say this. Um, when I was looking at the statistics that impact the African-American community when it comes to divorce and marriage, I knew it was going to be surprising, but I didn't know. I, I don't think I realized it, the statistic was going to be like it was when I looked up some of that information today. I just was floored, okay? And I really thought, okay, only about 29% of people in the African-American community are even married at this point. And um, black people have higher divorce rates and never been married rates uh, more than any other ethnic group in this country. And a lot of that is due to the uh, disproportionate um, uneven balance between genders in the black community and the fact that there are about maybe 13 to 15 black women to every one black man. And all of that has its origins at the beginning of slavery when African-American people were separated um, and all that history that goes down and all that intergenerational trauma um, that has been passed from generation to generation and um, the daily stresses of dealing with um, societal conditions and external factors that have impacted the African-American community historically um, in the uh, realm of, you know, family structure, um, financial distress, poverty, um, being over 200 years behind um, when it comes to net worth compared to the average white person. And the list goes on and on. I mean, they still are predicting that in the next 20, 30 years, the average net worth of a black person is going to be zero dollars. Are they saying that about any other ethnic group? No. That's not what mainstream America is writing their articles about other ethnic groups being at zero net worth. They're only saying the black people are going to be at zero net worth. So I said all that to say this. Black people, whether we choose to marry other black people or not. I mean, I may not marry another black man again. But that doesn't say that I don't like black men or I don't think that black men are capable. It's just saying that I made a different choice this time. I don't know. But what I am saying is whether I choose to marry another black man again, whether you choose to marry a black person or a person from another race, here's something that I do know is that... Um, we have got to deal with this as a, as a community in this society because it's going to affect the productivity and the prosperity of black people in the next 50 to 100 years. And so the bottom line is it, it causes one to have to look at the relationship dynamics between black women and black men. So... After 
I was not going to talk about this. I really was not going to talk about this. I really was going to try to ignore this topic. But I felt a little convicted being that I've been married myself long term and have gone through an extensive complicated divorce. And I just feel like I have the experience to speak on this topic after going through a long term marriage and then experiencing the aftermath of a divorce and then the lessons that I learned in between. So once again, the title of this episode is Healthy Relationships Start With You and Overcoming the Three C's. The three C's that I'm going to kind of focus in on is codependency, toxic competition, and conflict. Because that's what I see across the board. Even when I was examining my own marital relationship to my ex-husband. Okay. Um, Because I've been in counseling for many years. You know, several years. You know, not like 20 years. But I'm just saying like I went into counseling as the divorce was happening. I was already into counseling for like interpersonal development but then when the divorce happened I went into a different type of counseling to help me cope with all the different changes and mind you I survived going through a divorce at the same time around the same time that I lost my father and had to deal with a total of when I count everything together and I I had to deal with what I was dealing with my with my father being deceased and me being the oldest child then going through a traumatic divorce and the appeals and all uh, the scrutiny and the public embarrassment and the shame and the abandonment and the financial abuse and all these transitions and dealing with a total of nine judges um, and five attorneys. If I count um, back, go all the way back when my ex-husband first entered the legal system due to his uh legal troubles from the Iraqi war as a former military spouse, then that would make it 10 judges and six attorneys. So around the seventh year of the marriage, my life took a drastic turn um, and I was under a lot of pressure. So sometimes you don't realize the how the codependency will keep you in a in a an abusive relationship and fear of the unknown and fear of facing yourself and fear of you know being alone and then there are times when a person just decides to walk out of your life and you have no other choice but to face yourself your fears Um, And then learn that you can be resilient and you can overcome these issues. And then you finally come to this realization that you deserve better. So it took me going through uh, an extensive divorce to realize the relationship dynamics for what it was and to realize the part that I played in the marriage, the, the, the dysfunctional role with 
a balance of codependency and counterdependency. For a long time, I thought it was all counterdependency on my part, but then I looked back and I was like, no, a lot of that was a form of codependency as well. I can see where uh, both myself and my ex-husband were like trying to parent each other in some ways um, due to, you know, childhood uh, stuff. So I think that I took on more of a parent role in the marriage than anything. It's not that I really wanted to. It was kind of by default. Okay. So these things happen, especially when you get married young. Okay. So, um, that codependency will just, um, have you thinking that you need somebody to make you feel fulfilled and happy. And that's so far from the truth. Um, having companionship, in my opinion, is just icing on the cake in terms of what you've done to work on yourself um, and being whole within yourself um, before you offer yourself up and can be fully present in a relationship. Okay? So that's one thing that I have learned. And I've also learned that codependency is unhealthy. Okay, so how do you know if you're codependent? Sometimes it's it's just a matter of, you know, like realizing how much you just can't let go. Like you just can't seem to let go and stand on your own two feet or standing on your own two feet is just incredibly difficult. And in being transparent, I must say that I've had the biggest struggle trying to let go of the titles and just come back to my core self, reconnect with my inner child. Because during the marriage, I couldn't focus on my own personal growth to some degree because I was always dealing with a crisis in the marriage, whether it be um, lying, cheating, um secrets, surprises from the Iraqi war, <laughs> and all the other aftermath that came along with that. Because the first, the first um, legal mishap that happened as a result of the Iraqi war was uh, $500,000 worth of mess. I don't know, you know, I guess that's the way I, that's, I guess that's the thing that I could, that's the way I could try to coin it. It's just $500,000 worth of mess. That case alone was, was the value of that was over 500000 So just imagine being a spouse in that situation and worrying about your future with your spouse when you're facing a half a million dollars in possible debt and back pay. Well, it turns out that my ex-husband did not have to pay back half a million dollars due to the fact that the judge gave him a chance, but he still had to pay a lot of money back, okay? But 
yet and still he lost his job as a result of all of this aftermath from the Iraqi war. And then here I am working full time trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to pull the load. And the only other answer was to start a small business. Well, it was a small business because of the small business that paid back those that said restitution, which was a huge setback in the marriage financially and emotionally and everything because now it all became about just trying to get out of this rut and rebuild from the losses behind that federal charge that he got from the trouble he got in in Iraq. I said all that to say this. Now, I didn't have to stay in that relationship at that particular time, and I thought about just letting it go then. But I talked to my folks, and we all had a conversation about forgiveness, so I tried to put my best foot forward to just work things out. But it was huge red flags going on at that time, and I didn't understand everything, and I was scared. That's another thing that military families have to deal with is a lot of domestic violence in the military. And honestly, you don't know how a soldier is going to react to your departure if they're not ready for you to depart. See, that's another thing that keeps people trapped in relationships when it comes to codependency, too, is fear, fear of the unknown, financial uh, reasons being comfortable is convenient, afraid of what people are going to say, uh, not wanting to be single, um, just a lot of stuff. <laughs> <sighs> so, it caused conflict, which is another C in the three C's. It did cause conflict. The only problem was, in that relationship, if I tried to, you know, sit down and talk to my ex-husband at the time, how I really felt about all these things that were happening, he really wasn't too game in having a conversation. And I was in such a mindset to try to put out the fires and, you know, I had just become this hero in the relationship and you know, doing his job <laughs> that I forgot to ask or present my needs in the relationship and say, look, are you going to ask me, am I okay? He never even asked me, was I okay? And I said all that to say this, does your spouse ever ask you, are you okay? If you all are going through some conflict and y'all are having a disagreement, it's still wise to still check in with your spouse. Even if you all are having a couple of days where you're trying to sort things out, still um, relish in the fact that you're both human and check in on their humanity. This is, these are the things that I learned. I did ask him, was he okay sometimes, but he never really asked me. He never really asked me. How is this affecting you, the fact that, you know, he caused this big financial upheaval happen in our relationship, 
and I'm all stressed out trying to figure out how we're going to make it in the next 10 years. He never asked me. Well, how does this affect you? And when I tried to sit down and talk to him about it, a lot of times he would get angry and walk off. Well, that's another red flag. I mean, I should have, I should, the, the, the bell should have went off for me to say, well, this man won't even, don't even want to rationalize this situation. He's not even trying to get to walk through the problem solving steps to get to a solution. I'm over here just dealing with this by myself. And we got this big $500,000, half, half a million dollar problem. Or it's 25 years in prison. Okay, these are real issues that come up in marriages, especially when you've been married long term. You never know what you're going to be facing. It could be something like that, a legal issue. And in the black community, it's likely to happen at some point. When you see the, you know, incarceration rates of black men, um, most likely a black woman is going to have to deal with that at some point in the marriage. A lot of black women do or in a relationship. The legal system. And they're going to try to put him in jail and you. They're going to try to put both of y'all in jail. Okay, I'm just telling you straight like it is. I have gone down that path. I was not in Iraq with my ex-husband. I don't know what they did over there. All I know is all that, you know what, fell in my lap when when all, when they came back. And I just had to deal with the aftermath, which was not fair to me. That's why I was so angry when he chose to just leave the marriage, abandon the situation, and not pay his part his court-ordered part because it left us extreme financial burden on me with the same monetary value, over half a million dollars, of craziness. That's the value of everything, the, the financial stress that I have been under so much so that I had to just finally come back home and just start all over again as if I've never worked hard for the last 25 years when I know good and well I have and worked in different industries, I don't deserve that type of financial embarrassment, abandonment. Nobody does, especially when they help their spouse. And I was so angry. And I still am overcoming the anger. It's righteous anger. I mean, go figure. Your spouse, you know, take money and run and give it to other people knowing they owe you, knowing they've been court ordered to pay bills, business debt and they just don't do it just to be mean so getting through conflict is a real ordeal in relationships especially in marriage so um i'm gonna pause right there and switch a little bit this whole uh jp and ws hollywood situation y'all know who i'm referring to um, I don't mean no disrespect by any means. I wish those people well. But here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of Hollywood creating a narrative that they want black people to have. It's always been that way. Why do they always pick on black people for their perverted agendas, fetishes, and sexual desires? Why is it always black people? 
I don't understand. Why do they always pick black people to go on record with some strange idea for relationships as if they're trying to uh, introduce more stereotypes and more dysfunctions when the black families are already hanging on by the hinges as evidenced by the report that was released by the government in the 1960s. It was a crisis report regarding the black family a hundred years after slavery. They wanted to see how slavery and the aftermath of slavery had impacted the black community. And due to the separation and the black families, you know, slavery happened and then the reconstruction happened. There were some black people who were able to be very resilient during that time, but most black people were not able to be as resilient. They needed more time to kind of build up themselves. So the ones who were able to adapt a little bit faster, uh, just maybe by happenstance or just unique situations, um, you know, they became pretty successful during that time. But once some of that success started to happen, then the riots started. So there were a lot of different riots going on around this country and um, pushbacks and resistance towards black people getting on them their feet and becoming self-sufficient. So it didn't just happen in Tulsa. And by the way, um, rest in heaven, Uncle Red, one of the only three known survivors of the Tulsa Race Massacre. Um, reparations now, and I continue to pray for justice. But anyway, um, I also want to say, too, that the uh, principles that I'm talking about, you know, healthy relationships starts with you, overcoming codependency, uh, toxic competition and conflict, apply to any relationship, any healthy relationship of any race. So it's, it's, you know, I'm having this conversation as an African-American in urgency to the black community because I care. Um, but these principles can be applied to any healthy relationship in any race. So let's just put that out there. But anyway, you know, we see we see this toxic relationship parading across social media. The wife wrote the book and I'm not I don't I haven't read the book, don't want to read it. I wasn't going to talk about this, but then I thought about it. I said, "You know what? We we you know, we need to be very vocal about this." Um and uh, my point of view is that my point of view and my opinion of the situation is that um, you can't force anybody to stay married to you that won't, don't want to be married. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing I want to say is that um, it appears to me that the wife in that situation never really wanted to be married um, and has a, a different 
ideology about relationships that the husband has tried to adapt to, but I don't think he wants to adapt to that, as evidenced by his uh, reaction, even to her insinuating that uh, she possibly wants to be in an open relationship or has been or uh, want to try new things or whatever. So, you know, to me, it looks like a situation of codependency, uh, a lot of conflict, passive aggressive behavior, um, immaturity, dysfunction, and I'm not trying to pick on them. Okay, I'm not. Um, and let me just say that I'm not trying to say this from a place of judgment either, because they have incredible gifts in their profession. They are very talented people. They are very rich people. And they have a lot of power to influence people. So that's why I'm speaking up. Because our young people are already confused. The, the mental health crisis on the young people in this country is out of control. Our young people are confused. And we got to just deal with the truth. They don't need any more confusion. We don't need any more confusion. You just got to call a spade a spade. You either married or you are not married. There is no in-between. <laughs> See, I know this from being in a 17-year marriage and going through a divorce. I'm going to tell you how much you are married. Even when you go through a divorce, even the lawyers and the judge continue to call you husband and wife. <laughs> even on paper, even af the, after the papers have been signed, all the documents are still going to say husband and wife. And I don't care how long you claim to have been separated. You are either married or you are not married. And just because a person could be delusional and think that they are not married, but they are, and they're trying to indoctrinate people to believe that they aren't married, but they are. It's crazy. It's crazy. If you don't want to be married, then just don't be married. Go ahead and do what you got to do. Go down there to the divorce court and get it over with. Just get it over with. You'll get your money back. You will get your money back. Don't let money be a deterrent to just doing what you need to do. If you don't want to be married, you can just decide you don't want to be married. And I don't, I don't, I'm not quick to advise people to get a divorce. I'm not. But this situation, 
is just really sad. It's sad to watch. It really is. Because they're too young. They still got a lot of life to live. They still have a lot of purpose to walk in. And the other thing I want to say, if you have a decent companion in your life, you have a decent husband, you have a decent wife, you haven't tried, you haven't had to go get them out of jail, okay? They haven't gotten y'all in a considerable amount of debt. They don't do stupid stuff to make both of y'all look like fools. They're not abusing your kids. You know, they keep a decent job or some type of way to make money legally. You know, you can work through some things. So you have to think about that. But some people don't realize that they have a good thing till it's gone. And sometimes that's the wake-up call that people who don't understand how blessed they are how bad it can be on the other side if you're not careful. Because out here, I'm going to tell you, it's slim pickings out here. It's slim pickings out here. It's hard to come by good people these days. So if you got a decent person in your life, you got something to work with. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And I would say you should, you should, you know, get counseling and, you know, pray about it, really have conversations about it. But sometimes people just don't want to be married anymore. They just don't for whatever reason. And in this particular situation, um, I've listened to several interviews and there's been a strong indication from the wife for several years now that she never really really she appears to never really really wanted to even be married in the first place that was just really not her goal at least to the person that she's married to if she was crying and sobbing going down the aisle and just claiming like i just really don't want this but just doing it for the convenience or doing it for the money or whatever i don't know i really don't know this lady but, you know, she's been crying out for years and years and years. Now, here's what I can say. They seem to be really good friends. They seem to be really good friends. They seem to have some type of friendship that they really are proud of. And I'm happy for them in that regard. But somewhere there's a cross-up and misunderstanding of what the marital relationship is supposed to be. But when you go off and start creating all this stuff about uh, we married, but we're not married. Uh, we're doing our own separate thing. Uh, that opens up the door for a lot of other problems and a lot of un other unnecessary conflict. And it can be very dangerous. So I just pray that, you know, they come to some type of positive resolution. And I wish them well. I really do. But the black people don't need these type of role models, so-called role models, to look up to as a uh, relationship goals or whatever. That's just not a relationship goal. Um, but I can say uh, we need some more Denzels and 
Paulettas to step forward. We really do. Um, and after looking at a few of their videos, they've been married um, for 40 years, uh, apparently. And um, they just seem to be really grounded in, uh, and even understanding that their relationship is not perfect. Um, they've been consistent from what it seems like. They've been consistent in their ability to work through the difficulties, challenges, and rewards of marriage. I don't see a power struggle there. I don't see it. Now, I don't know them personally. And maybe, I don't know if they've ever had to work through a power struggle. Um, but when uh, I look over there at the current situation that's being paraded all over social media with the uh, JP and WS situation, I see the power struggle, that toxic competition. And when you look at popular culture and how relationships are displayed now, it's easy to fall into that trap if you're not careful. See, what popular culture um, broadcasts as a relationship is not a real relationship. Number one, a lot of times people are so busy trying to impress other people on social media about their relationship that they, they're not nurturing the relationship between each other. Like, if you're, if you're goal is to go on date night just so you can post a picture of on social media to get likes that's not a real date night that's not a real date night you you just doing something you're not really invested you're not really invested now i'm not going to say that Everybody who puts a picture on social media every now and then that they're not invested. But you need, you, if that's always your goal is to just go on date night just so you can put the picture on social media, that's, that's very shallow. Because I'm the type of person like, if your relationship is, you know, so special, why do you want to share every moment with people on social media in the first place? Don't you want to keep some of that to yourself, you know, so you can have that special exclusivity? I would think so. Now, I will tell you, I have been vocal about my divorce. I have. I had to be because it was very public and I had to be. Um, so uh, I said all that to say this. Um, I had to do it to some degree to save my life, too. That was the only way I could try to navigate certain things that happened that were very critical to my life but needless to say in popular culture you know it's all this trying to impress social media and the and the whole gamut is you know you don't see people posting pictures of their spouse is throwing up in the middle of the night and them cleaning up the vomit and having to go get some warm chicken noodle soup with saltine crackers and ginger ale or some hot tea or hot coffee. You don't see people doing that.
you don't see people well some people be posting a lot about their children but for the most part you know you don't see a lot of people posting things about real challenges that marriages go through you know what i mean i mean that real deep stuff like having a fallout with the in-laws now sometimes you might see some of that drama on social media but you know the family secrets they come up I'm just saying, marriage is no joke. And there are things that will come up that will blow your mind. And you're like, you don't have a blueprint. You got God, you know, you can pray. You can try to talk to uh, some experienced people or go to counseling, try to get counseling and this, that, and the other. But, you know, that that also leads me to believe that, you know, you don't really see too many people posting about the sweet little things in a relationship that makes it so special. And it's not having all this money because you see these people parading all on social media who supposedly have all this money and all these assets and all these properties and all these cars and fine clothes and pocketbooks and one one week they posting pictures from Cabo and the next week they posting pictures from Paris and the next week they posting pictures from Australia. Okay. <laughs> and it's nothing wrong with traveling, I'm just saying. They just want us to see their show. But it's like when you go on these trips are you spending quality time with one another? Are you or are you preoccupied with just trying to showcase that you got somebody? Did y'all just finish having an argument before you posted that picture on social media and you're trying to make us think that your relationship is perfect and we know it's not? But getting back to the little sweet things, it's like, it's so sweet, you know, if you're not feeling good and your spouse cares enough about you, even if they really can't cook, to go get some chicken noodle soup out of the can, put it in the microwave, warm it up for you, put some little saltine crackers around it, make it look real presentable, bring you some ginger ale or your hot tea or your coffee, and just give you some Tylenol. You know, give you a little foot massage, sit up with you and talk, you know, or sit with you and pray or listen to some little quiet music or just be there and help them feel better, help them recover. Or it's that special thing like uh, leaving a little love note um, by the nightstand with a rose or uh, leaving a note in the car saying, have a nice day or sending a nice text saying, I love you. Um, you can do this. I'm proud of you. Uh, praying for your spouse. Um, just those little things that mean so much. If they're cold, you standing outside and you let them have your jacket. Or, 
No, but it's the little things that make your relationship special. Or having your favorite song or dancing in the living room to your favorite song. Or you just decide to take a day to spend together and go strolling in the park. It's the little things. It, it's no, it's not any sense to have a big house on a hill that's 10,000 square feet and you living on one side of the house and your wife living on the other side and y'all have no real deep, meaningful communication. You're detached. She's living one life. You're living another. It makes no sense. So, you know, what we going to do? How are we going to help this generation get on the right track? And deal with, overcome things like codependency, toxic competition, and how to handle conflict in a better way. I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means because... I've had to work through a lot of trauma and I'm not going to say that I've always dealt with it in a perfect way. I will say this, that I don't wish any ill on my ex-husband at all. I just wish he would do the right thing and, and follow through with the court orders. Um, I did go through a period where I thought I hated him for doing me the way he did, the, the infidelity, the cheating, the financial abuse, the abandonment. I was really angry at him for that. And then I just had to ask God to please help me because I don't want to go to hell for hating my ex-husband or anybody who got involved with him illegally and hurt me in the process. Um, so I, it's, it's been a long, hard journey, but I can say with God's help and just wanting to do the right thing, going to counseling, being committed to personal growth and looking at myself. Um, even looking at things that I could do differently in the future, because when I look back at that marriage, it's just like I found out more things even as of this year that helped me to understand why that marriage was never going to work. At first, I didn't understand, but then I, I, you know, some things you know, came to light that helped me to realize that that marriage was never going to work anyway. Um, so once I, you know, really had to sort that out and say, okay, well, it's just, it's just nothing else I could have done. And when it comes down to the fact, you know, if, if your spouse is doing things and making decisions and they, they are just not looking out for the well-being of your family. They're not looking out for the well-being of themselves. They're not thinking rationally. And they're not looking out for the well-being of you and your family. And y'all as a unit, sometimes you just got to reevaluate. And uh, some of the things that helped me to finally let go... Um, was the fact that my safety was at stake. Um, 
and I was just not going to be competing with all these toxic people that my ex-husband was getting involved with and some of the things that he was doing um, in his life. Uh, the path that he started going down on was just not a path I was going to be going down with him. So when it comes to abuse, substance abuse, alcoholism, infidelity, financial abuse, domestic violence, and all of that other stuff, then, you know, sometimes you just got to really go back to the drawing board and see exactly, you know, how how far you can go with this or you if you're going to have to remove yourself before things become deadly. And so in my case, it was at that level. And so I decided um, to let go. And even going through a divorce sometimes was dangerous from a soldier it can be very dangerous so um, I've gone through it all <laughs> and I'm still here by the grace of God uh, but you know in a future relationship or future marriage possibly it's some things that I would do differently the next time and that's why I said it's the little things that really matter. You know, being kind, being gracious, not taking your spouse for granted, um, saying please and thank you. You know, just doing kind things for your spouse. Don't compete with your spouse. You know, these power struggles, these toxic competition, we live in a competitive society anyway. And social media pumps all of that stuff up. And, you know, a divorce tends to uh, kind of show you where the abuse was coming from. And the persons who jumped in a rebound relationship was most likely the person that was cheating all along. How do you know if a spouse was, you know, not really involved with cheating? Because you'll see the other spouse take some time to try to figure out what happened, learn from their mistakes go into a, spirit, uh, a a season of, you know, just personal growth and self-renewal. And that's what I chose to do. I wasn't trying to compete with my ex-husband to see who could jump in a relationship fastest to satisfy my ego because I was too devastated and hurt to even wrap my head around another relationship. I didn't want anybody else to see me that vulnerable and just trying to get sort this out in my mind so um i'm glad i made that decision um and we'll just see what the future holds and i just have to judge it accordingly and just pray about it if i allow a man to come into my life i just know this I am not going through what I went through with my ex-husband. The first two or three red flags, and I'm like, you know what, dude? I'm going to have to friend zone you. Because <laughs> I'm too old. Like, I'm not old, old, but I'm just saying. you, you just, I'm just not going through another 20 years of craziness. My mind can't deal with it. My body can't deal with it. No. So it's just 
it's just stressful on your mind. It's stressful on your body. It's stressful on your life to keep going through nonsense. Okay? So, um, that's what I have to say about that. And sometimes you just have to set those boundaries in relationships. Sometimes you just have to do that. Sometimes tough love is 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 just the way it's going to have to be for a while. Sometimes people just won't respect you until you stand up to the mess. Okay? But I'm going to just say this. If a person really loves you, in, in, in my opinion, if a person really loves you, they're not going to keep testing you like a child. If a person is secure within themselves and they love themselves, they're not going to keep testing you and doing stupid stuff to stress you out. Anyway, a m mature person doesn't think that way. They're not going to be always trying to create scenarios to make you jealous. If anything, if a person cares about you and they love you, they want to spend time with you. They want, you know, to be in your company. They they want to enjoy your company. They want to be around you. They want to, you know, make an excuse to be together. And we all have freedom of speech. We all have freedom of speech. But, you know, at the same time, I would say that if you're going to be married to somebody, but tr then try to create a narrative that you're not married, that's not wise. That's not wise. That's foolish. That's foolishness. Okay, so I'm divorced. I'm not fixing to try to create no narrative like I'm still married to my ex-husband. We are not married. What's what's the use of me, you know, trying to create some other kind of we're not friends, we're not any of that. So it is what it is. <laughs> Hey, because <laughs> uh, he probably watching this. How you doing? What's up? But, you know, I don't talk to him. Um, But anyway, but that doesn't mean that I don't. Let's see, how can I say this? It, it, it doesn't mean that I hate him just because I don't talk to him. It's not healthy for me to conversate with someone who is just not going to own their stuff. Okay? Um, so, it's no need in having a conversation if you're not going to own your stuff. You're not going to own your wrongdoing. You're not going to apologize. You're not going to make the restitution. You're just not going to do anything. But try to make the situation worse. So I'm not going to even waste my time. Now, if you really want to have a grown folks conversation. If you really want to own your stuff. Like I've had to own mine. Then 
hey, maybe we could have a conversation in front of witnesses. 